Welcome to DevOps Accents, a podcast on everything around DevOps, public cloud, and cloud-native topics, with your hosts, Pablo, Leo, and Kirill. Hello, and welcome to 22nd episode of DevOps Accent, a podcast where we, the founders of MKDev, get together to discuss all things around DevOps and cloud-native technologies with our multinational accents. And today we have a new guest, uh, our friend and fellow entrepreneur, uh, co-founder and CTO of Semaphore CI, a tool many of you must probably use, uh, Darko Fabian. Hi, Darko. Hi, guys. Nice to meet you. Hi, Pablo. To you too. Hello. How are you? Uh, so, uh, Darko. My first question, what is your accent? I don't know, you will have to tell me. <laughs> I actually just came back came back from New York. We were there on a DevOps con. <clears throat> and as we were, you know, walking around and speaking with multiple people, I, I, I was complaining that I can detect many different accents around, <laughs> but I cannot <laughs> recognize mine. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know where I would I put myself. So yeah. Yeah. American people have a very like thing about accents and British people as well. And they can easily catch where you're from, like which part of the country you came from. And uh, even if you're from Australia or from United Kingdom, which part of United Kingdom. And to me, this sounds like crazy because how, how do they even distinguish one from another i can i can understand if the if the person came from france or from berlin or for, i mean from germany yeah you can hear that or kind of or or in my case like uh, eastern europe accents yeah <laughs> you can easily catch it <laughs> yeah well, my guess is that i'm in the eastern eastern european accent uh, accent group <laughs> with again i uh, yeah even to listening to myself, you know, on a podcast or something like that, I have like no clue where I would position myself, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, another another colorful accent into our uh, in, into our group. And before we move on, uh, let's talk a bit about you, uh, Darko, for our listeners to get some context. Uh, like what you do when why you do this I mean like one day uh, 11 years ago you woke up and decided I'm gonna make my own CI CD tool with blackjack or whatever yeah <laughs> <laughs> how did you end up being the co-founder of semaphore in the first place what the story yeah yeah sure well <clears throat> with my friend uh, friend from university uh, Marco, uh, we we actually um, discovered uh, Ruby on Rails early on. We were actually studying both of us the computer hardware at university together, and uh, essentially we figured out we did we don't want to bury ourselves uh, deep in the hardware because it was the um, the freedom was really lacking, especially you know <clears throat> in, in Europe when it comes to hardware. If you want to. You know, work on it. You have to move. You know, move, move around or be. You know, stuck with uh, maybe a single company in your city, which that does. You know, certain type of audio chip or whatever you are you are specializing in. So we we very early on move moved away from from that to to internet, and then we founded um, a consulting agency in the in the web space. It was two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and those were the years where you know. A, a lot of tools were just, you know, moved to, you know, to cloud, to, you know, SaaS, you know, mm -hmm. SaaS of everything kind of uh, uh, years. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then we initially tried with, you know, some local, you know, um, events, tickets, kind of uh, a SaaS startup, which um, didn't didn't really work out. And from there, we, we moved into consulting. And then for... Uh, couple of years we we were working in Ruby on Rails consultants for a number of um, uh, US US tech companies and um, we ended up being you know, a consulting agency of maybe 10 around 10 people mm -hmm. all of us were were developers and as we embraced you know test driven development behavior driven development you know just all of those all of those practices we needed a CI tool and um, we started setting up, setting up, setting up Jenkins, you know, and we set it up once, mm. 
it was kind of okay. It's, it's easy to get started. Later, you know, it gets a bit slower and then we needed, needed to upgrade upgrade that, you know, instance and instances and all of that and reprovision everything and so on. And we figured out that, um, you know, it's just not that level of user experience that we were, you know, having with other tools. And the main other tools that we were using at the time were GitHub on one side, we were, you know, storing our code. And then on the other side, it was, you know, Heroku or, you know, similar, you know, cl- cloud platforms to, to deploy the application. And the piece in the middle where you need to run all the tests, run them quickly, don't maintain it too much, and then trigger deployments and all of that was Jenkins, which was a piece of software that was just just not comparable with the user experience with the, the, these other tools that I mentioned, GitHub on one side and uh, Heroku on other were, were, you know, giving us. Um, and since we were very deep in that Ruby on Rails community, we figured out that there must be, you know, also other people who just want to do, you know, click, 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 you know, set, set up my project, have a CI, uh, don't worry about it, don't maintain it. If I need 50 instances, you know, to run all my mm-hmm. Slow UI tests, give me those 50 instances without I going to, you know, Linode and at that time buying 10 more VPC servers, provisioning them, you know, scaling them, all of that. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I think that I pretty much answered the question of how how, how, it, how it gets started. So you, you discover a problem in, in Jenkins and as a consultant, wow, it's super cool. So then you decide we are going to create a... I had to mind that at the beginning a product and later on a company is around the product. Yeah. So and then you decide to create a, a a company around something that all of us we have discovered many times and Jenkins it is a super cool tool, you know. All of us we have used Jenkins many, many times for sure. Yeah. But then it has many, many problems, you know. That, and one of them is this user interface uh, moments when you start to hate Jenkins and this language code and this <laughs> and this, you know all these barriers and all these problems that you find. Yeah. Yeah. I have to say that none of us in the company were, you know, at that time, I don't, I'm not sure where the DevOps term was generally in those, in those days, but yeah, I don't know either. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't think so. Yeah. But because you're talking about 2012, no, 2010, 11. Well, it was the kind of earlier when we initially started setting it up. It was maybe 2009, 2010, the first time that we that we set it up. Yeah. And one of the things for us was also communicate with the clients. Um, you know, the startups that that we we were supporting were you know, um, usually in the very early days. You know, they have maybe up to ten employees. And for us, it was like, okay, I'm setting up Jenkins and this is, you know, third day in a row that I'm, you know, scaling it <laughs> again and updating the plugins and, um, yeah, all, all of that, which was not kind of the description of the, of the job that we were doing, you know, <laughs> and wow. we're getting the comments from, from a client, you know, okay, but you know, what are you doing third day in a row? <laughs> yeah. And how long to you the process to create all these? tool and start to to sell to to customers well i think it was probably somewhere i would say close to a year we had one guy working half time um to create like you know the very very you know rudimentary initial version where you could connect your github repository to the tool you know and run run pretty much one job i mean one by being one in parallel you know, there were no not there, there was no parallelism in the in the earliest days, so I would say it's 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 probably if not a year, probably close to nine months. Um, and um, after that, after that, we launched it. And in terms of like SaaS, CI, CD tools, we were the the first to market. You know, to really support private repositories, um, which. Uh, now, in hindsight, it was essential for us to you know become a, a viable company. Because we were super early, and we had in, you know a great insight into that Ruby on Rails you know community. We know what are the venues to kind of get get the word out, mm. and then it was quite quickly that we actually um, got our first customers. I I think it was in the in the in the first month or, or, or so wow. in those days that people just you know connected their credit card and um, you know start started using the the tool. 
then it took uh, then it took a while to to break even. But that was maybe in the realm of like year and a half or so. But ju- ju- just for you know, I think two people working on the working on the on the tool, and then we needed I think three years to actually break even for the whole company, and then we essentially let go of our consulting clients mm-hmm. and focused exclusively exclusively on the software. So yeah, was it difficult to switch your own uh, mindset and the mindset of those with whom you've been working with? Uh, from giving advices, to, uh, from consulting people how to do things, to actually start doing things and creating a tool, a product, because it's entire to me it's, it's entirely different products. Like you have to promote yourself, your knowledge, and your services uh, for as, as a consultancy for your clients, and then. You have to scrap basically all what you did in the past and start a new promoting and selling a tool, a technological tool. It's an entirely different job. Was it difficult to switch between these two? I'm not sure that we successfully switched to this day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the, the, the a bit longer answer, I think, would be... When we were working with those uh, with those clients, um, as I said, it was always a creation of a tool. One of our primary primary customer was in the realm of like um, restaurant reg- uh, registra- uh, reservation service, mm-hmm. which included you know you can reserve your seat at the at the restaurant, and there was also a ca- credit card processing you know for the clients of that tool you know and all, all of that. And since it was a smaller company, we were pretty close to all the, you know, UI, UX elements of of it, you know, how it should work. And the registration process is almost like kind of the same as buying like a plane ticket in in a way that it's a multi-step process, which, you know, can be tedious for average person and so on. So we were quite versed in that part. Um, A part which, which is tricky is, you know, marketing and selling mm, i can imagine yeah as i said we were close to that uh, ruby Rose community and you know understood that mindset and um, what we managed to do very well is that it was possible to get to that aha moment when you register for a tool in under 60 seconds because we focused very heavily on that that initial experience. You 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 log in, in into a tool with GitHub and then we list your repositories. You pick your Ruby on Rails projects. Since we were very opinionated at that point in time, uh, you pretty much click next after you pick repository. And in like I would say seventy percent of the cases, you get a green build because Ruby on Rails framework you know is still very opinionated and we could you know configure database automatically based on your configuration you know a number of other things and get you to a green build mm-hmm. and then after that it was like connect your credit card so us as you know tech people and geeks and all of that that's the piece that we managed to you know do very ve- do very well and also approach Ruby on Rails community as a whole very very well mm-hmm. um after that step, a lot of people were asking for, you know, different technologies and all of that, but that was not that close to us. So let's say we were not, you know, into the Python community or PHP community and Java community and all of those. So I would say to this day, we have managed to penetrate into those communities and all of that to some extent, mm-hmm. but never as well as in, you know, Ruby on Rails community. And from that mom- from that moment on, it was mo- uh, mainly the growth that we we managed to generate to writing you know technical articles you know and you know just approaching approaching developers, you know through through that channel. In terms of really you know having a company which is you know super sales driven, top down and all, all, all that approach, um, I still that we haven't haven't still haven't mastered that. <laughs> Uh, and it's also we 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 are trying, you know, mm-hmm. and doing steps in that in that realm, especially now that we are focusing with you know bigger customers with our with our tool. Uh, but it is a challenging, you know, uh, discipline on its own. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can understand, and this sounds so much 
familiar to us, to what we are doing, because uh, even MK Dev started um, the training company, uh, we, we provided mentorship services and we started with Ruby on Rails community as well, mm-hmm. the Ruby community. And the most of our clients came from Ruby community and we was most uh, uh, like familiar with that. And then we started expanding to uh, other uh, other, other programming languages, and from there we switched to consultancy and uh, whatever. And uh, I remember back then when we've been doing these, uh, we we've published articles, and uh, we have our mentors who've been discussing this. And I remember no one really knew the concept of CI/CD back then, and our mentors with whom we've been working, they had to explain it to the general audience through their articles and uh and that when it started to emerge uh, i remember uh and like at the same time it was more of a cultural uh thing than uh than a skill yeah but now in the modern world without ci cd it is hard to imagine uh the development process at all and and work of uh, any decent application or web or mobile service. Like it's become a necessity uh, more or less from how I perceive it. However, when I look through the job descriptions, uh, we when we need something like that, I consistently find a requirement to know CICD. And this makes me think, uh, because from my point of view, it's just as strange as uh, a requirement of a computer skill, for example, to a marketer. Like, yes, a marketer should know how to use a computer, right? But why should this requirement be written in vacancies uh, if it's like it's obvious, right? And the same thing with CI/CD. Like, it's a bare minimum. Hence the question, why nowadays do we still have to convince people that CI/CD is a necessity? Well, I think it's, um, we have our own, you know, view of the world based on what we have, what we have seen, you know, in the communities that, that, you know, we are generally, you know, swimming, swimming in. Mm -hmm. I would say that there, there is probably... Definitely more than 50% of the code that is written today um, is not covered by automated tests. Mm-hmm. And generally the people who are writing that code then also don't have uh, don't have exposure to CI and CD and, and, and all of that. How come? You know, from, from t- uh, that's not our target market, but um, since we launched like also the on-prem version of Sanfor, you can run everything, you know, behind your firewall and all of that. That um, we kind of open for ourselves a, a part of the, of the market, which just wouldn't run stuff in the cloud. You know, mm-hmm. you can imagine those, you know, traditional companies, you know, in manufacturing, maybe in retail, maybe you know, definitely, you know, pharmaceutical or you know those those those, those areas where there is just a, a lot of legacy work being done in a very old and legacy legacy way and essentially how how some of those companies are approaching us is okay they heard about this you know ci and cd and they have actually a couple of hundred of engineers you know writing some code but they are not using those practices and for instance they would like us to 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 help them with that um the reality is that if they are really in that realm where their developers are not not really writing automated tests, but they have a you know QA team of fifty people testing their banking app, <laughs> then you know we don't just don't have capacity to educate all those people, introduce those practices within within, within their organization. Mm-hmm. Um, we are there to help them improve their CI and CD practices. If, if they, you know, maybe are lacking in those areas and then, you know, help them through our tool also. 
but doing that part of education of like you know preaching why you should write automated tests and why why that's better than so basically you are telling me that my uh, um, so the way how i imagine how the development works is basically the ideal world and it's not like this in yes. the reality because i imagine that everyone does it Yes, yes, Because yes. Testing, testing your own code to me is a bare minimum. Like the, I, I thought everyone does, does, does this. And, and, and now you tell me that like 50% of the code is not covered by with automated tests. And at least, at least that's, a, that's absolute, that's absolute minimum. And, and even more, and even, even more. So, you know. Yeah, I think, I think it's much more. Yes. I mean, what, what we, <clears throat> I mean, to describe a bit our, our customer base or let's say a vast majority of our customer base. vast majority of our customer base are, you know, super technically mature, um, uh, usually product companies that really appreciate, you know, super mm -hmm. fast feedback loops, meaning a uh, developer makes a change, pushes the code, top, top 10 minutes later, they get the feedback, you know, is it read or, uh, red or green? And then if everything everything is green in a lot of cases, um, they would even automatically, you know, kick off a, a promotion that would, you know, release deploy their 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 code into in, into the production. And um, that is true for um, so. Po point being, we are also in that you know a, a bubble to say that uh, I also don't cannot imagine how someone is living a, a different life than what you know 90% of our customers are doing and you know, just just moving fast but the reality is there are actually a lot of companies in billions of dollars of revenue yeah <laughs> who are creating you know various internal software for various you know things that are not even covered with with any any of the any of the tests and they're just being you know tested um, tested manually i i was thinking about when i was looking through those vacancies so job so job description requiring cicd uh to me maybe it's like a, a, a way to send a message like even the if the candidate does does know and understand uh what cicd is but Uh, they must be prepared to work in um, under a high demand for quality and speed of development. Like that's the kind of message that you send uh, by uh, stating that the CICD is a requirement of the first position. So it's basically a requirement is a kind of a, a filter or survival test for potential employees. Uh, I think this is a rather cynical theory, but perhaps there is some truth in it. Uh, do you agree with this that uh, working in this kind of environment could be uh, stressful, uh, like when you have to constantly uh, check on your code and to uh, test it uh, quickly. I know so. Uh, so, and this might affect the way how you work. I mean, on mental. <laughs> mental side well there are many many you know patterns and that, that, that exist uh, uh, around that but i would maybe touch upon the first the first one which cicd is solving so if you don't have you know uh automated te excuse me te test suite and then you know ci in place um What you're probably facing is that you are writing your code for a release that is going to happen maybe on January 15th. And you are now adding a lot of code, uh, which is going to be tested next week, let's say by the QA team. You have a slow, slow feedback loop if it's working or not. And what you are essentially doing, you're working toward a big bang event. Mm -hmm. And that big bang event is going to happen on, let's say, January 15th, when we are going to... Uh, introduce a new version of uh, maybe, you know, whatever application in some retail or wh whatever. Wh what what will you have then is that maybe a couple of weeks prior to that big release, everyone will be under a significant amount of stress because things will be, you know, things are just, you know, in a breaking stage. You have introduced a lot of changes that you are going to ship at once. And then when the day for release comes, 
uh, another element will be in play that you know we haven't released in a couple of months or let's say three months and then it's going to be a big event that deployment is going to be a big event and it should be totally non-event what will happen afterwards because we couldn't just satisfy that you know high quality standards that everything is just working for the next couple of weeks then we'll have you know uh, a lot of bug fixes that that, that we will be shipping mm-hmm. and uh, essentially we would have let's say a two months of very stressful time for the whole team um, instead of having a, a tiny bit of stress let's say every day <laughs> uh-huh. yeah um, so it will just maybe as uh, as you are you know studying at the university and you have a big exam so first two weeks you are partying, you're not really you know, studying anything. <laughs> and then, you know, with a deadline approach, you're really into, you know, a, a huge drama mode. So on the other hand, what what is the promise of the CI um, is that you integrate into your main master branch on daily basis. You are merging in all the time, making sure that everything is, you know, still green. The smallest change is possible. And ideally, you are also deploying to production on daily level, those changes. The cloud tech industry is evolving so fast. Do you keep up with it by improving your skills or upskilling your team? At MKDev, we offer a variety of workshops for just that, from the basics to expert knowledge. Before delivering our workshops and training sessions, we carry out a detailed assessment of each participant. To make sure the workshop is helpful for you and your team, we will add more content to it or throw out what you already know. Or we create a custom workshop specifically for the needs of your team and the specifics of your project. But we, we need to differentiate here between CI and between CD. For the people that doesn't know, you know, CD or delivery or deployment depends of in the way that you want to do and CI in the way that you integrate to do the continuous integration of the... Uh, yeah, th- th- that's probably too late in the process, but uh, yeah. CI stands for continuous integration, CD stands for continuous delivery. The point, Darko, here, the question for you is, I have to mind that most of the companies are doing CI. Mm-hmm. And even I had to mind that the name of the company comes, same for CI, comes because the, the initial idea has to be a, a CI tool. Yeah. So, you know, every time that you push the code and go to get the code and go to execute the test. And then after that, you know, what you were telling me before, I have my release and I don't know what I'm going to do with my release because I had to mind that 20 years ago, uh, nobody was talking about oh, microservices. I, I didn't go to GitOps. Uh, I didn't go to any any of the concepts that are in the in the market See many, many years. But now people try to implement or it seems five, six years try to implement and fail many, many times, most that they 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 are able to to achieve this. And not because the CI tools, because of the the complexity of the of the tooling. But my 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 point is how many companies ended in the CI? Because CI is, let's say, the simple part. But C D delivery or deployment or deployment and delivery, it depends of the how far away you want to go. Yeah. It is not so simple, you know. And this concept that all of us, we read about that. All of us, we talk about that in conference. All of us, we say that. Is you click the button, you make a chain, you click the button automatically. There is a a chain, a minimal chain. This example is, I think, it's a fantastic example that you, you gave. Uh, do you want to study the day of the exam or do you want to study during the three months? If you study during the three months, you do little, little, little changes in your code. Then as soon as you have a problem, you can discover the problem. But how many companies in your pipeline are doing this CI plus CD completely end to end. So because I saw in my career few companies doing the the pure, you know, this one that you read in the books that I have a chain, I click, and automatically in in thirty five seconds it's in production, or in three minutes and a half, or in twenty five minutes. Yeah, really, I can tell you that one. I only see that ever in my life. Well, I would I would say that. Um majority of our customers live, live that life end to end of like end to end deploying deploying into production wow um, a, a, a bit more on 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 them so uh, they're usually us you know us based uh, series a series b you know startups yeah. mm-hmm. which are uh, in some everyone is in a tough market you know and have to move very fast because they all have a lot of competitors, you know, and 
someone else is going to r- run them over yeah if if they are not if they are not employing that those practices um uh, some stories that that are happening let's say there is a five people startup and they, they are doing ci you know and doing also you know to to some extent you know continuous delivery but maybe maybe they wait for their test to complete you know like 30 minutes because they haven't invested much in that and then there is maybe a a deployment phase where they um you know do it maybe every every third day or you know every second day they they do a release um so there also there are also such uh, you know people that are in that stage what i have witnessed multiple times uh in, in those situations that um as, and you can be successful also with that approach. I mean, if you have a killer tool and you have discovered your niche and all of that, you don't have to deploy in 30 seconds. You know, you can be successful even with that approach. But then usually what happens is that, you know, investors or management of the company requires that they really, you know, polish their process to the max. And then they throw a new CTO, new director of engineering, VP of engineering, you know, at us and say, okay, we want you guys to help, you know, our, our tech guys have a feedback loop, which is, you know, under five minutes for our CI pipeline. And then we want, you know, a deployment after that to also take, let's say, under five, under five minutes. Cool. And, um, though those requirements are, are in place, we, there is, you know, relatively limited set of things that we can do you know by ourselves but we can help uh, help them achieve that so that's that's how it's usually the process how people level up it's just that from your you know executive team you you get those requirements because you know developers are super expensive our competition is also you know working you know hard and fast and we don't we want we want to be uh, the winners um, I can then explain what what, what usually happens <laughs> is that you know, oh, it will be very hard. It's almost impossible how we are going to you know shorten our CI pipeline from you know thirty minutes to five minutes mm-hmm. and all of that. But you know, it's doable in kind of ninety nine percent of the cases. Um, we, we start the process of breaking down what are the biggest bottlenecks in the pipeline, you know, and just writing them down. And then eliminating them, eliminating them one by one. Um, generally, managing and install, installing all the dependencies is m- one of the first things that you know we help we help customers to um, to shave off. Um, then you know there are you know various caching strategies that can be applied you know to speed to speed the things up. Um, then we come to okay, what's the duration of your test uh, test uh, you, um, test unit? Uh, or unit tests uh, suite, yep. and then we see w- what can be done there uh, to 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 shorten that. As you guys know, it, it usually f- falls in that realm. So either we are going to scale it vertically, you know, and use a bigger machine for something like that, or we are going to scale it horizontally and split across, you know, multiple multiple instances. Mm-hmm. And unit tests are usually f- well if they are well written, they're usually fast. Then usually uh, after that comes the harder part of, you know, integration uh, tests and, you know, UI tests and all all those um, end-to-end tests that tend to be heavy. And then there is, um, again, the same game there, you know, what can be, what can be cached, how it can be broken down, how can, uh, how can we parallelize that? And it's, uh, it's a process that, um, you know, for a bigger project can, you know, easily take, um, Two three months uh, to to get there. In, in some cases, in some cases even longer. If uh, if there is you know a complex complex um, you know application with you know some tests that are just written in such a way that takes seven minutes to complete because they have just crammed a lot of things you know in one one test case and then those test test cases have to be uh, broken down in, in, into in, into smaller chunks. And there are there are different you know technical challenges along the way for sure, uh, but it's uh, in vast majority of cases it's it's achievable. No, it's achievable, but the problem is you know the the reality is okay. What you mean? You know you have a a, a company you know a, 
a new company, and as you mean this type A or B, that you know that you need to be funded by a VC and you need to get money. So, you know, because this is yeah. this is the point, no? I, I'm going to create a company because I need to sell the company. Because, because this is the some companies in California are created for that. You know, I am not creating anything that is giving value to me or yeah. or to my community or to my workers. I creating something that I waiting for a VC to invest in me, well, in my company, get the money. Boom, boom, boom. See you. You know, uh, venture capital. I love you. Give me the money. See you. And then in these cases, I get the point. But imagine all German company, uh, 35,000 workers mm. or employees. I don't know how to so properly suffer for that. Uh, yeah. Process that are doing, imagine, I, I don't know. I don't want to say in a specific customer, but whatever software that is, it was 25 years ago, it was a monolithic. And then we, uh, we, we, we chunk in different modules and now it's not a monolithic, but then it's impossible, you know? So these cases, yeah. it's impossible. So it's a fantasy. That, that, that's true. Yeah, there, there, there has to be there has to be a huge incentive, you know, and also um, it has to be pushed hard from the from the le- leadership of the company. Yes, you know, to 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 invest to invest in that heavily. Yeah, exactly. I I I completely understand, and uh, that's probably one of the reasons that we don't have many customers from Germany. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I remember personally, or from those traditional traditional yes. companies. I remember yeah. personally an American company with headquarters in California that I was working there, and the CTO four years ago, he decided and says, "We are going to move everything to microservices." So. <laughs> That's all. In six months, everything is to be microservices. And it's something like, I understand that you want to to have every new green field is going to be a microservice with a complete CI-CD pipeline, CI-CD pipeline. No, but you have applications that are here in this all American 100 years company, uh, maybe 30 years, and you cannot destroy for a scratch everything that is given to you the the, the the revenue because we need to understand that at the end these kind of non-software companies that use the software to be able to to get more you know uh, to improve the company to get better uh, revenues it's not a company that is selling a software yeah clear so then these companies cannot stop the software cannot stop the application because it's just not the application you don't make money and you cannot tell. Let's start from scratch, no? Yeah, they they, they should they shouldn't stop it. But I I would say depend is is it um, is it worth to them, you know, to speed up that development that development cycle and the feedback loop that they are going to provide to their engineers. Yeah. Um. So the the question is, you would have to get the buy-in from the leadership, and let's say our pipeline today takes you know I don't know three hours to run all the tests. And the deployment process maybe takes, I don't know, maybe it's like a complicated multi-step process, which is, you know, very far from trivial and is a multi-hour process, let's say. And then, you know, there is a a chart created within the company. What's the feedback loop once we make a change in our software? How fast can we know? uh, is Is it working or not? Maybe it also includes like manual testing which is completely fine. But then we say it's one of our KPIs. Yeah. And we are going to wo- we are going to work on that KPI. Uh, let's say our goal is 30 minutes from three hours. You know, it's it's achievable. The question is h- how long how long it would take, you know, to together. And the same same for the deployment process. But it really has to come from that you, you need to have a a buy-in from the leadership, and a budget budget to work work on that. Um, with today's you know salaries of uh, software developers, it's kind of not that hard to make you know um, economic case why it's important to have a fast feedback loop for your developers and how how that feedback loop is going to speed up uh, all that all, all that process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the, one of the things is, you know, who is going to, who is going to be that, you know, guy or a girl who is going to go into such a traditional company 
and say, I'm going to put this, you know, huge burden on my back to, you know, ask for money from my leadership, ask, ask you know, in the investment, because I need, you know, these two DevOps guys and these two developers working for next couple of months, maybe even years, to, you know, um, ramp up uh, the, the, the speed of, the, of, of that pipeline. Um, because, as you said, it can be a, in the area of, let's say, manufacturing, and making, you know, shipping software fast is not their core competence and uh, not, not, not the core value. And that, that transformation can be, I mean, it's achievable, can be hard. I think that it more, it, it's more in the realm of like culture and, you know, social aspects, mm-hmm. uh, how, how to achieve that. W- one of the things that I have heard is that it's not all, not that hard to make, you know, that economic case to get the investment from the, from the leadership to speed up those pipelines and all of that. But what you, what, what you also have is a group of maybe, I don't know, let's just say 50 engineers who are working in this company for many, many years in the way that they are used to working. And now you are coming in, let's say, if you are coming from outside and not from the inside, and you are saying, no, no, I'm going to challenge the culture of all of you guys. Yes. <laughs> and you are going to be writing your own tests and you will be integrating, you know, on daily level. And someone is used to, you know, creating a branch and then working on a feature for two months and then merging that feature into <laughs> into the main app and, and deploying. And um, as you can imagine, putting yourselves in the shoes of someone who wants to have that, you know, what they say, like, you know, a digital transformation. <laughs> that's an awful term that's being... <laughs> a complete you know, transformation, it, yes, because it's not... Yeah. And you are going to go in and you are going to transform the culture of like whole organization. Like good luck, you know, it, it, it's, it, it's, a, it's, it's a huge undertaking. No, yes, because a simple chain of person in many cases, a person in my from, I, I, I'm telling you from OpenSea, three to four is, is a huge chain. Uh, uh, simple changes could be for a company years of, of work on that. Yeah, absolutely. These, these huge changes could make that the, you know, the, the CTO after one year, because at the end it's, it's something that many CTOs, they don't want to take the decision, neither the CEOs, because they, you know, everything depends on that, because now you need to put all the company in doing that. And if you are not doing properly, because the people is not doing properly, at the end you need to resign and you need to say, sorry, I leave it. Yeah, it's, it's. Maybe it's not a fair comparison, but it's kind of with the governments, with their, you know, four-year terms or five-year terms or whatever is that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't want to come in and solve, you know, the big issues. Uh, yes. <laughs> like depth or that or, uh, you know, something else in the realm of education, mm-hmm. which is, uh, I often hear that, you know, who... Whichever new government comes in, no no one wants to really, you know, touch the education and do something there because it's um, at least ten year process, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and they're going to not going to going to going to reap any rewards in their term, but the rewards are going to be you know for the next government that comes in. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's it's also like that as you said for a CTO or CEO or, or anyone else. You know, when it's a multi-year process, uh, the rewards are going to come, but at a much later stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the short term, you might even slow down your the, the pace of development because you're going to be going to be making changes. Um, but I, I I think that it's um, it's very interesting how we have this you know almost like a, a, a clash of the worlds where I'm dis- describing you know what is. What is truly our, you know, ideal customer? Someone who already recognizes that they need, you know, a feedback loop under five minutes and they want to invest because they want to sell their company, you know, in five years. Yes. <laughs> and they are, they, they need to work very fast or someone else who is having a faster feedback loop is going to run, run over them. And with these traditional companies of like tens of thousands of, of people, you know, and all of that. Exactly. That, that, that is a completely different, completely different world. Yes, because one is uh, do fast, 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 because I want to, to increase my, 
my value. I want to be sold by 2,000 millions, 2 billion, 3, trillion, 3 trillion. Mm -hmm. And the other one is, sorry. In I, short amount of time. Yes, in short amount so of time. I want Sounds to bit. become rich tomorrow. <laughs> yes. And the other one is, uh, I'm going to be here for the next 100 years. So I want to do something that the next 100 years is still working. Or at least something that for 10 or 15 years is still working. So it's completely, completely mentality changes. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And one of the big, big things in 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 um, in those huge companies is that they want to minimize the risk and um, one of one of the ways to minimize the risk and to minimize the amount of change that we are introducing in our organization and um, us coming in and saying okay we want your uh, we want your complete continuous delivery pipeline uh, continuous deployment pipeline let's say to be under 20 minutes <laughs> Mm -hmm. That would need to introduce a lot of changes in the in the way things are done, you know, technically and organizationally, and that would introduce yeah. risk. And no one wants changes. And who is going to undertake that risk? Mm -hmm. Who is that CTO that wants to undertake that risk? I mean, there are those people in the world, <laughs> but I would say not not many, not many who want to uh, really do that. Uh, but in the end, uh, this promise of reducing the feedback loop to under five minutes. Uh, is it even achievable? And if so, like, is, is it achievable for certain teams of a certain size who works on a certain kind of products or it's achievable for anyone? Well, again, I, I, I have to preface my, my answer with that, that we also live in a bubble that I have described, you know? Yes. Um, all the applications that I have seen, it's, it's, it's achievable. I mean, the ones that, um, that I know are from roughly 20 years, years old, uh, apps in the, in the realm of like, you know, insurance and retail, you know, imagine Java app that, you know, starting being developed in 1999, mm -hmm. um, and for such applications, even if they are huge monolithic applications, you know, two, three hundred developers working uh, on, on that application, it is achievable to uh, to get that um, CI feedback loop of under ten minutes. In the in the particular case that I'm speaking about, mm -hmm. uh, I can say that it's um, I think like seventy five. Uh, beefy, you know, bare metal machines uh, running unit tests and around 100 machines uh, in parallel uh, running their um, integrations and end-to-end -end tests and they get their CI, CI feedback loop in under, in under 10 minutes. Uh, the cost of that CI pipeline is significant, you know. It's like in the realm of like 10 plus dollars for a, a run, for a single run of that of that pipeline uh, to get to get that feedback loop. Um, so for that that part, based on what I have seen, it's it's achievable. I uh, I guess there are industries and um, types of application uh, that you cannot go that aggressive or really you know just it where it's not that easy to paralyze all the work in such a way that you can achieve that fa very fast CI, uh, CI um, feedback loops. I have to say for that you know, application that I was describing, a realm which is hard is uh, CD part. Because imagine you have, uh, that company literally has on uh, close 300 engineers mm -hmm. and it's a monolithic application and you can imagine a lot of people want to deploy on that same day. And they do deploy, you know, to production, um, I would say, in the realm of like dozen, dozens of changes in a day. But what they have to implement is that, you know, release train, which is going out, I think in their case, like, you know, five or six times per day. So the first one is going out at 10 a.m. And if you have, you know, merged your changes, before before 10 a.m. and also that merging process is a relatively complex process 
then there is going to be a release, which is going out to production, mm-hmm. and it's carrying out changes from multiple teams uh, throughout throughout the organization. And they really, um, you have those, let's say, five chances throughout the day, so on every full hour, mm-hmm. uh, a release train going out, and you do you do have to wait for an hour once you decide that you want to ship your change to the moment that that change is going to be shipped. But that's, let's say, uh, maybe not the biggest problem, but you have to work in such a way that if you need to ship a hotfix after that, then you cannot ship that hotfix, you know, that easily. They have, you know, some shortcuts, you know, how how to push the short, uh, it into production, you know, quicker. Mm-hmm. But if it's not really something super critical, then you have to wait for another hour for the next, you know, release train, which will be going out uh, to ship those changes. Um, which actually brings me to the area of like microservices. I would say that all that modularity that you get with microservices can be also achieved with a monolithic application. Uh, if you have enough, you know, discipline and good architecture. Um, but what you do do get with microservices is that you can independently ship, you know, a change to your part of the system mm-hmm. with a completely independent, you know, delivery, uh, delivery pipeline. And then you can get also like that you can ship a change in under, f- under five minutes with microservices approach. Uh, with monolithic approach, uh, I don't think that it can be really easily achieved that you can completely independently sh- ship your your change, and um, yeah. So we we touched upon that topic of monoliths and microservices and all of that. Um, but yeah, I don't know if you guys have any comments or thoughts of what what you have seen. Yeah, the, the way how I imagine like a traditional uh, feedback loop is. Uh, like your development team uh, produces a piece of, let's say, code, and uh, then it delivers it to the operation team. Um, so the operation team then tests it, uh, the software, and finds some errors in the code, and the development team must fix it and um, improve the functionality. And these feedback loops uh, back to uh, the development team that implements the changes and it's rinse and repeat. Now, uh, when we use CI/CD tools, we automate some part of it uh, to to some extent, and then we are ready to uh, push it to production. And this is where uh, CD comes comes into play. Uh, And when we try to automate most of most of this the process and when we try to reduce the feedback loop to uh, five minutes or less to 10 minutes uh, does it mean that by doing so especially when it comes to delivery continuous delivery does it mean that we effectively uh, eliminating operations from the process uh, because uh, in the ideal world, when you when you continue the development of the product that you are that you are developing, the Semaphore CI, you will try to offer to your clients more and more automation, more and more reduction of time and cost that they spend on this uh, moment between development and delivery does it mean that what you are doing is basically basically you are eliminating ops from devops yes that would that that would mean that i would say uh but ops uh, ops does find it uh, find their way in in a different team i mean how it usually works for us that for those you know bigger clients that i was describing on the other side is not let's say a, a devops or operations team or you know whatever naming we want to what we want to put in place but is a developer productivity team or developer experience team and that team is usually comprised of you know devops and development people mm-hmm. um, and their goal is to uh, provide to their uh, development team 
imagine that team that I was describing of like 300 folks, uh, super fast CI and CD, CD pipeline. So what they, they must do, they must maintain, you know, a, a tool such as, you know, Sam for CI or like any, any other, any other CI and CD tool to make sure that that feedback loop in the CI part of the process is, is maintained and polished. So there are, you know, all dependencies have to be, you know, thought through, you know, uh, very carefully and, you know, approaches uh, to to testing and just installing the app and booting the app and migrating the, the database. You know, all that has to be on you know, a super polished to get that fast f- feedback in the CI part of the loop. And then the deployment part of deployment part is the other part where they have to think through all of the strategies and approaches, how to uh, kind of eliminate themselves uh, from from the equation. And when the green uh, the build is green on main branch, the next thing which is going to kick in is that automate automatic deployment into production, mm-hmm. which is going to deploy the code into production. And then the that ops team, the DevOps team, um, has to also make sure that, uh, for instance, observability and monitoring and alerting and all the other parts of the application are at the highest possible level because developers are just going to aggressively be pushing things out and they will be breaking stuff. And then yep. in literally <laughs> seconds... <laughs> this sounds like a suicide for any project to me. <laughs> uh, can you repeat, please? I, I, I said that this sounds like what you said. Uh, this sounds like a suicide for any project. <laughs> like uh, if the developers like we're having all this tool, as they say, start pushing, pushing, uh, they will break everything eventually. Not everything, in yeah. my opinion. Not that, but that that that's that that's where the <clears throat> that operation team ca- comes into play. They might they must. Um, have so many, you know, uh, uh, guardrails in place, mm-hmm. you know, and rollback mechanisms and monitoring and all of that to quickly, you know, revert the changes, you know, and catch the problems like as soon as possible in in, in production. Mm-hmm. So I, I remember from actually a couple of years ago, some example that I, I heard that I, I liked very much. Uh, it's just a typical, you know, e-commerce, e-commerce application where they have, you know, many, many, uh, you know, just, you know, financial transactions in a, in, in a minute happening. And their top level, you know, um, KPI for the for their whole infrastructure was how many uh, transactions per minute were, 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 were happening. And if they deploy code into production, like no one cares about the memory pressure, you know, on their Kubernetes cluster and the CPU pressure and, you know, this and that. But it's that number of operations, you know, number of, you know, orders that that they have. And if that goes down, then then they have to, you know, revert super quickly because it means someone broke something, you know, in, in in, in, in the production. And then, as I was saying, all that uh, operations power is directed towards making sure that we are safe, that the system is safe. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we would start from this this side, so all the you know observability, traceability, logging, monitoring, all of that on a very high level in in their environments, you know, ideally, you know, gradual rollouts, canary deployments, you know, feature flags, all, <laughs> all the features, mm-hmm. you know, in, in in that area that can really, you know, make the system still safe, even if developers are, you know, pushing the changes so frequently. And then that CI and CD pipelines that also needs a lot of care and maintenance to keep operating like that, because it needs a constant care and maintenance. Uh, to 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 be operating. And Darko, before we we ended, you know, uh, you you were talking now about the you know Canary deployments, and I remember I was remember when a Spinnaker appeared, and you know it, it was Netflix, no, who made the Spinnaker, yes. no? Yes, I, I, I remember it was a presentation that I went many many years ago, and it was something fantastic, no, because these these Canary deployments, uh, 
the idea more or less is it's like okay it's an old concept of what's happening in the mines that you know you go to the mine and you introduce a bird if the bird is dead then run away because they're going to die too. <laughs> so then the idea is uh, i have imagined a deployment in mind that we're talking about Kubernetes, but it was the beginning of Kubernetes. No, I deploy an application, but you can do without Kubernetes. You can do many ways. Okay. But only to simplify to people how it is today, you start a, an application. And for example, you can start a, a, a different deployment where you start a, a pod or two or three pods, and then depends on what happened there. It's like a A-B test, you can say too, in this way, different in front end. But okay, it's something, okay, if it's running, then I can start adding more and more pods in this deployment and the old one is going to be the traffic, yeah, essentially. Exactly. Yeah. But okay, uh, all these themes when appeared, it was the people who was, wow, fantastic. But my, my question is is simple and before we end it. So, you know, what is the future of the CI-CD pipeline? What is the future of all these tooling? Because better than you, nobody can tell you, you know, you know how how hard is the competence these days, you know, how many companies are in this atmosphere yep. that appear and disappear, not like semaphores, eh? because we're talking about one of the oldest ones that we have in the in the market. But, you know, eh, GitOps appear like something, but okay, GitOps at the end is a, is a concept, you know, and it's a concept of what it was before that now is implemented, you know, because it's not, it's not a, a rule changing. We have, for example, Tecton, but Tecton, nobody want to use Tecton anymore because the people said, what the, what is that? You know, it's, it's the more complex thing ever in the world. Yeah. Uh, you know, we have many, many other toolings that are doing only now CD, CI or doing CD, like Argo CD, for example, you know, you that you are inside all this environment, what do you think that is going to happen in the next three, four, five years? I'm not telling 20, I'm telling only two, three, four, five years. Well, I'm going to I'm going to use uh, Spinnaker as as an example of that. Okay. I mean, as it's in our realm, where it you know started gaining traction, we we looked looking looked into it. You know, what what is it doing? How is it operating? You know, and all of that. Um, one of the you know huge problems back then, and I haven't checked it recently, but I think it's still the case. It's super super complex to operate. You know, just just to. Uh, install it and run it um i remember that they needed like maybe eight or ten services independently that you must you know spin up and you need you know i don't know kafka and this and that and you know yeah. i don't remember <laughs> what, what, what are all the requirements and then when you get in there it, then it's also quite hard to to configure i remember when i was checking it out it was only supporting ec2 instances and they were you know doing that you know canary with ec2 instances and all of that and the thing is that i think that there were very few companies in the world that have resources to um to support to support spinnaker you know in production and educate the people i might be wrong maybe they have you know no it's few few companies made some things easier um so i would in my view um the main thing that that is needed is simplification and allowing people to um to be able to achieve things easier with tools you know such as for you know any any other any other cicd tools because the complexity is always rising and i for, for me um as I was describing this example of CI and CD, but then in production you need is all that monitoring and tracing and alerting and all of those things. The problem is that, you know, average companies and average teams um, just don't have enough, you know, money, if nothing else, to be able to support the, these complex uh, these complex wor- wor- workflows. So. A piece that that Sanford brought is it eliminated, let's say, the maintenance of the Jenkins instance, and it made made that piece, uh, you know, cheaper. Um, what is t- still to be done is to simplify all these, you know, more advanced ways of deploying and releasing application and monitoring them and configuring pipelines and all of that. So I would say that the the main thing that we and our industry can bring to you know development and, and ops world is the simplicity you know simpler tools that are easier to use easier for people to onboard i mean all of us are unfortunately quite you know, uh, quite old by now and we have all you know a decade or two decades <laughs> of experience 
But can you imagine someone entering, you know, uh, domain of like DevOps and, you know, development, you know, one year ago? <laughs> and there are all these things that we are talking about. There are just so many, just so many things. Yeah. C can you guys give me, you know, a playbook with, you know, two or three tools that I need to learn. I'm covered end to end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this could be fantastic at this point. Yeah? Yes. Yeah. Three tools and that's all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm all for simplification. <laughs> yeah. Okay, guys, that was very interesting. I still have so many questions uh, to you, Darko, especially about the future. Like, uh, I don't know, like, if you're even thinking about implementing uh, integrating artificial intelligence into your testing processes. No need to answer. We don't have time for that. <laughs> let's let's uh, uh, postpone it for another time sure. if, the, if this will happen. If you want some millions, yes, yeah. why not? <laughs> the capital is going to increase if you say AI 20 times. Yeah. yeah. Uh, thank you for joining us today, Darko. Thank you for answering such questions. That was very interesting. Thank you, guys. It was great. Great seeing you guys again. I hope those who are listening to us uh, learn something new today. If you have questions, feel free to ask and uh, feel free to reply to our uh, uh, bi-weekly newsletter on KDF Dispatch. Go and subscribe. If you have questions, just, just hit the reply button and we read everything you write to us. Or you can leave your comments uh, or questions directly into comments. And uh, if this is not the first time you are listening to our podcast episode. And if you learned something new, consider subscribing. And don't forget to give us likes. We like likes. Uh, so thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening to us. Um, That's basically it. Bye-bye, guys. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Do you think your project infrastructure is well set and maintained? We know for sure there is always room for improvement. If you are uncertain where to begin, let's first do an audit of what you already have. We will review your setup from every angle, performance, cost, security, high availability, and automation, and provide you with a detailed roadmap of which direction your infrastructure should go, generate concrete tasks for you to implement, or even take on your infra entirely, if you let us, of course.